Namaste, I'm Raksha Berman, your host for My Diwali. It's a podcast about how we experience Diwali in modern multicultural Australia. Today I'm talking to filmmaker Anupam Sharma, who is one of the first Indian-born filmmakers in Australia. He's known to pioneer Australian-Indian film links since 1998. A well-respected writer, director and advocate for diversity in Australian media. We will chat about the significance of honoring Diwali traditions in the workplace, what his Diwali was like back when he lived in India, and his thoughts on South Asian representation in Australian media, film and entertainment. How far do we have to go? His advice to future storytellers from our community. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording from. I pay my respects to the Camaragal people and their elders past and present. I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you're listening from and extend the respect to any First Nations listeners. Namaste Anupam, so excited to talk to you today. I already know this will be a very lit conversation. There's a free Diwali pun for you, have to start like that. I can't wait to talk and tell about all the dhamakas and Diwalis and diversities and dilemmas we face in Australia as South Asians. Amazing. Sounds fun. Let's get started. My first question to you. Like every film that starts at the beginning, introducing the hero's journey, let's start with yours too. You migrated to Australia when you had finished year 12. Can you describe the sights and sounds and smells that incensed your Diwali celebrations when you still lived there? Absolutely, Raksha. Those sights, sounds and smells remain with you throughout your life. They trigger old, fond memories. I grew up in Dehradun, the pure air of Dehradun Valley. I can even smell that pure air with a whiff of sulfur. And we live in a valley, so we could see the lights of Masuri, famous hill station. And I still remember the flicker in those hill station houses was so vibrant that we would just look up and go on the roof and watch it. And of course, the smells, whether it's the mustard oil being burnt, the sarsong ka tel in the diyas, or the dal ki kachori being deep fried, and again, a bit of sulfur coming in. And the sounds, they are just divine, you know, whether it's a rocket going zhup, up. You can literally count the seconds when it will burst up in the air or the anar whiff and of course the sutli bombs and the little puljaris just take you back. They just take you back to Diwali and nowadays the Diwali could be in India or Australia or anywhere. I love that. It's I could close my eyes and literally smell everything you described and almost taste that hot dal kachori and it's just such a visceral response from the heart when you think and hear someone talk about a festival that you too have celebrated and it connects you with that exact experience that you had in a different part of the country. So thank you for sharing that. It's beautiful. When I spoke to you, it was clear that you're a man that loves his culture and embodies that by following traditions passed down to you. Tell us about how you celebrate Diwali at your workplace and the spiritual meaning behind that for you. As a famous line from Fiddler on the Roof, without traditions, you are, you know, as lonely as, as a fiddler on the roof. So the traditions kind of make us, enrich us, ground us. My paternal grandfather, my dadaji, was a Shastri. So he would kindly give us the scientific and the practical meaning of traditions, which mainly are followed as rituals. But when you know what a ritual means, it kind of is, is more enlightened. In workplace, I'm, I'm very kind of, you know, very hardcore follower of traditions for superstitious reasons, which many of us are in the film industry. But, but also, 
it's just something we do, you know. If we make sure that no one works on the day after Diwali, because that's a day you rest all your work DNAs, you rest all your work colleagues, you rest all your tools, because the day before that you have actually worshipped all your tools. You also do Lakshmi Pujan. In Australia, the tradition of lighting changes. So we light up our office with Christmas lights two weeks before Diwali and we take them out um, after Christmas. So for us, it's a one long Diwali to Christmas lighting up of the office. We declutter the office. And in India, there's a famous saying, when you're decluttering before Diwali, you utter the mantras, you know, Kulakshmi Jai Lakshmi Ai, which means all bad vibes go away and all good vibes come in. It is, it is just a combination of everything, cleaning up the office, making a fresh start, nothing different to a New Year resolution, because at the end of the day, Diwali is our New Year's resolution. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And one of the things you mentioned about, you know, how you set up your lights before two weeks before Diwali and leave it all through Christmas, I'm literally envisioning like when just a few weeks before Christmas when, you know, the Christmas shops are ready for people to barge in and grab the latest. One day there'll be bespoke Diwali lights as well that people can then start buying and using. And it becomes a thing where people are like, let's go check out other people's houses and how they've lit up their house for Diwali. I think it, it still happens, Raksha. I know Stanhope Gardens and other places. Recently, one of the members of parliament mentioned that he's going and taking his kids to see the lights around some Indian heavy diasporic areas. And when you go to those, um, you know, Christmas warehouses, I, I was chatting with someone last year and they said, look, over the last few years, they have been pre-ordering their Christmas lights. A lot of Indians come to buy Christmas lights and decorations. So it's, it's already happening. And every year we have got someone around the corner coming up. Hey, we saw the opera house being lit up. It's a special Indian function you guys are celebrating. And that's what multicultural and diversity is all about. So right, cultural institutions and corporates are also recognizing how big Diwali is for our diaspora and participating in really celebrating it for us and with us, which is amazing to see. And it feels like getting a really warm hug and that makes you want to like get out onto the streets and really take pride in wearing your Indian clothes and celebrating with your neighbors who, you know, are curious about your culture and sharing the stories with them. Absolutely. You know, whether it's the clothes, whether it's showcasing your thing and, and the pride, the pride is not the arrogant pride. The pride is, hey, we've been carrying this thousands and thousands of years of culture forward. There is no comma or full stop. There is a link to go forward, whether it's in India, whether it's in Australia, whether it's in an Indian diasporic heavy area where there's someone only just one or two Indians. And that is something which is so essential for grounding. And I, I strongly believe that's one of the reasons why Indian diaspora and South Asians kind of succeed wherever they go because of this grounding, which inherently is obtained from traditions and festivals and little cultural icons. You've just released a documentary about Bollywood. What was your motivation behind wanting to create this film? The motivation to create this film is similar to what you're doing now, informing people about Diwali. I wanted to inform people about Bollywood for the simple reason that whenever we grow up or we go to the West, everyone is talking about, oh, so what's Bollywood? Why has it got three hours? Why has it got an interval? Even when studying films at, at universities here, um, when I was doing thesis on Indian cinema, my su supervisor would frequently ask questions. Now, if you Google Bollywood, you get, uh, you know, close to 3.2 billion results on Googling Bollywood within 0.2 seconds. 
So everyone has heard about it. Everyone talks about it. But no one really knows much about it. And the fact that Bollywood is just a part of Indian cinema. There's so many other Indian cinema. You know, there is parallel cinema. There's multiplex. So we started making a film on it, but it had to be in Australia because I'm in Australia and I had to find a connection. And over the last 20 years, what we have been doing in Australia with Bollywood, I thought that would be a good trigger. And one thing led to the other. And I said, you know what, let's make a comprehensive documentary. Let's tell people the roots. As you started this podcast, you know, every hero has a journey. The Bollywood has a journey as well. So we do a very traditional start once upon a time and moving images came to India, which was 1897 how it was consumed so prolifically, how it is produced so prolifically. And we quickly come into Australia where, you know, it discovered Australia and became huge. I was lucky to watch it with you this weekend and I found it so educational and I was sitting up and learning so much myself. It's playing at screens in Australia and it's sure a very festive way to celebrate Diwali. Yeah, and more than that, it's the independent cinema because it's a diverse Australian independent cinema with a really high-end crew, particularly Karen, who is known for Oscar and editing Oscar and Emmy winning films. So yeah, go and watch A Slice of Life because after we introduced Bollywood, we get Bollywood and Australia and their love affair in the last 89 years. So most of the film is about that. So enjoy a very integral part of Australian subculture, which is Bollywood. And also just to note that, you know, they like to call it Indian film industry in back in India, not Bollywood, because we are our own entity and so prolific uh, and so many more films are made that are so successful. So, yeah. What do you have to say about that? Absolutely. In fact, we have a little clip in there where people love and hate Bollywood. And that is, again, a conversation starter. We look at how there's Bollywood, Tollywood, how it is that there's a popular cinema, there's art house cinema. And to quote Ashutosh Gaurekar from the film, we have 28 states in, in India and each state has its own cinema, which is unheard of in the world. The cinema of Montana, cinema of Queensland, you don't hear it. And thanks to you and I, Raksha, and all many of your listeners who are in the South Asian diaspora, it is a global subculture. Amazing. Let's talk about our community and representation in Australian media, film and TV landscape now that we're really getting into the nitty gritties. You've advocated and worked so hard for our inclusion and representation. Do you see a change and how far do you think we still have to go? I think there's a change coming and the change is because our numbers are increasing, the, the South Asian diaspora. There is also a very interesting fact, Raksha, compared to many other communities, many of the Indians and many of the diaspora from India who have come to Australia have done it by choice, not by force. Also, a number of Indian diaspora visit India often. So when I visit India, I'm the mainstream there. And when I'm here, I have to pick a box of culturally and linguistically diverse background or non-English speaking background, which means that people like you and I are very, very interestingly placed to see uh, the conversations between mainstream and minorities. And that is one of the main reasons why I push for making diversity normal. You don't have to mark out diversity. Diversity is a normal thing. What do you do when you get out of your house? You see people of different faces. You hear accents of different countries. And what we, as a part of an initiative we have promoting is, and we are trying to get, is accuracy of the streets on our screens. Our coming generation will feel included when they see their representation on camera, on screen. So that is the essence of diversity. The essence of diversity is not having a token brown face or having a tick on, on form. 
And that is what we are pushing. And I think the changes are coming, you know, whether it's in a film called Lion or whether it is the amazing theater we are seeing around Australia, which is of South Asian origin. Importantly, the change has to come from within. One of the most heartwarming things we face at our office in Sydney, where we have been promoting diversity for over a quarter of a century, is when we get these young second, third, sometimes first generation film graduates of Indian origin who want to pursue films professionally. And that is so heartwarming. So it is no more a hobby or it is no more something a doctor or an engineer of an Indian origin wants to do in his or her free time. It is making that essential choice of selecting films as a profession, you know, whether it's the editor like Rishi Shukla or, or a line producer like Sadhana or, uh, you know, all these amazing people who are of Indian origin who are working in, in Australian film industry. They are the ones who make diversity really vibrant. They are the ones who are going to tell our stories the way we want it to, how we want it to. And I think the changes are already happening. We have a co-production treaty happening, so that will make it easier for these stories to be told. But at the end of the day, 2023 Australia is different from a 1963 Australia. And 2023 Australia has stories of a Raksha, has stories of an Anupam, has a story of a Manpreet, who are as Australian as anyone else, but our stories have got a colour and the vibrancy of India, but they're still Australian stories. They're diverse Australian stories of 2023. I think the key change which is happening is that the definition of an Australian story is changing. And the definition of that Australian story is skewing, for me at least, towards an Australian story of Indian because there's so many Indians here. Thank you for articulating that so well. So I want to ask you, what's your advice to South Asian storytellers and creatives? Like, what would you say to them now that we're at this really amazing phase where Australian stories are our stories as well? Well, go out and make them. I know a number of them listening would be saying, yeah, that's easy said than done. But that's the first step. You have to take the first step. I can vouch that. Anyone can vouch that. Our film agencies, whether it's a federal level, state level, regional level, so helpful and so inclusive. You know, a lot of people, particularly if Indian origin, go to film bodies, they're only thinking of money. No. There's so many other ways they can help you out. You know, register the newsletter. Talk to seniors who have already succeeded, whether it's a Sheila Jed who has produced films like Stateless and, you know, Hera West, or Jamon Thomas, who is from South India, who has made films like Hotel Mumbai and constantly works uh, with Dave Patel and other people. Talk to Bill Bennett or John Winter. These are Australians who have worked constantly in India, you know. Check out the Australian India Film Council. It is an amazing board. So, you know, it's out there to help you guys out. And once you take the first step, do not be under the impression that just because you're of a diverse background entitles you to anything. At the end of the day in the film industry, it is the quality of the product. It is the experience. It is the professionalism. Um, most importantly for Indian community, one of the things I always tell my students, there's a very fine line between realizing that you want to pursue films as a profession and understanding that it may be a hobby, you have to decide that route very early. If you want to pursue it as a hobby, that's absolutely fine. Go for it. But if you want to pursue it as a profession, then it's a lifestyle choice. And you pursue it as you would pursue any other profession, proper education, proper training, proper networking, because it's a wonderful field. It's a lifestyle choice. And um, it's a place where you can convert your passion into a profession. You know, and, and fight with your parents. I, know, I still know many Indian parents who tell their kids, you be a doctor, you can do whatever you want to become an engineer. 
you know, you don't have to. And, you know, you can do what you want because you're an Australian. And that's the most important thing, you know. You would never be hungry because of lack of money. You would always have government support more than most of the film people around the world can even dream of. So with all these facilities, if you can't make a film, then, then I don't know how you can. Great advice. It's what I'm hearing is pick up your thali and join the big barbecue that Australia has going and don't feel afraid to grab a pair of tongs and just join the party. Absolutely. It will be a really colorful, vibrant, tasty table of thali. Exactly. Pull up a chair and ask people to shuffle and shift and join the party. Love that. So let's, uh, now that we're talking about barbecue and food, what do you eat during Diwali and what are your favorite go-to sweet treats? So Diwali is um, a series of festivities. Um, Shelja, my wife, always kind of, you know, is mindful of that because she's an amazing cook and, and we, we can only help her, we can't cook with her. So the pressure falls on her and we coming from UP have a standard recipe, which she and I want to change, but we don't want to change, which is dal ki kachori, um, the sweet and sour pumpkin, kaddu ki sabzi, bundi ka raita, and a bit of pulao. And leading up to Diwali, there is hoi ashtmi, then there is karva chot, then there is dashera, and then there is Diwali. So the, the month leading up to Diwali, we have an abundance of dal ki kachoris with some variations. Sometimes we might have a paneer ki sabzi or a vegetable pulao. In terms of sweets, you know, of course, my favorites are gulab jamun and, and dal ki pinni with some modifications like we all do raksha you know if you warm up dal ki panni or besan ki barfi and put a bit of milk or yogurt that's that's your own sweet we partake all that which which means more running more exercise but happy to run 10 kilometers right i can get two more pinnies i know um i thought i was the only person who would mash up my besan ka laddu and add a little bit of milk and microwave it and have it warm but i am so glad to hear i'm not the only one who does that to a laddu there might be billions out there who are doing this. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear this. It's Yeah, it makes me feel like I can now say it out loud and not feel like I'm going to be judged for ruining a laddu. I'm curious, as a parent raising children in Australia, especially since school-aged children can sometimes resist standing out so that they fit in, how do you navigate raising them in a truly multicultural society and passing on your traditions? I think information is the key. If you tell them to follow a certain religious or ritual or, or any other tradition without giving them the reason, tell them why, then it gives them an idea. It's also instilling them with pride. So, you know, if you, if you tell them to do something, they say, oh, yeah, 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 we don't want to stand out, we want to assimilate. But if you tell them why we do it, historically important it is, it gives them that little sense of, oh, okay, so I come from a family or I come from a culture which has been doing this for thousands of years old. And they like to, boast is the wrong word, but they like to proudly tell about it. What has happened is the coming generations in Australia are also getting inquisitive, you know. So if you have a group of four or five school kids, some of them are Asian, Chinese, some of them are South Asian, the Indians, Middle Eastern, and they love hearing about each other's things because... Assimilation is kind of, we've moved past that because we've got so much diversity. And that is one of the reasons why I always tell the kids, why are we cleaning in Diwali? That's because we're decluttering. And suddenly they hear the word declutter and then they see the series about decluttering and it gives them a Western bridge on why we are doing it. You tell them why you're doing the 11 lambs or the 21 lambs and they want to know what is the significance of a number 11 or 21. And that's because it doesn't end with a zero. It means 
You don't end something. You start it with, you know, it's 21, which means it continues. So those little things, you know, when you give them the reason for why we're doing certain things, I have found that they really accept it. And then, of course, food helps, a bit of crackers help. And I think it, it's all of us parents and in the house, when you create an atmosphere, it becomes very hard for them to escape that festive atmosphere. And you create a bridge, you know, like we do. We set up lights and we said the lights will come out during Christmas. And they say, oh, great. And they say, okay, the Australian inside us is also celebrating Christmas and the Indian Australian inside us is celebrating Diwali. So it's a combination of things, but they have to be informed. So true. I remember the most fun part for me when I was learning about culture and especially Diwali festivals was sitting with my dadi, my grandmother, and just letting her tell me the story of goddesses and how she was, you know, birthed and what was the purpose. And the storytelling process was the most enriching because I still remember sitting on the cold marble tile and just looking up at her. And that's my connection with the culture and the stories and the goddesses. The storytelling has evolved, but that's what children love hearing. That's their curiosity. And if we get them at that age... And curiously, you know, whet their appetite by giving them those stories. That's how we can pass it on. So, yeah, that's that's a great advice. Now that you have a family here in Australia and with extended relatives around you, how are you celebrating Diwali at home this year? Diwali at home is this year. It's pretty much the same. My wife pushed me two weekends ago to clean up the garage. So we did that with our old bones aching and thing. We did a house cleanup. We did a garage cleanup. We did decluttering. We're going to be setting up the lights in the next couple of days. We have had the Holi Festival yesterday. You know, we're going to be looking at where we are getting the sweets from. The day after Diwali this year, we'll be off. I mean, I'll be off to Canberra. We have a screening in the Parliament of the film. But the office will still be closed. And yeah, and we, you know, we're decluttering the office. We're getting some ceremonies done over the weekend. So usual Diwali, lights getting up, festivities, sweets. And sometimes an occasional friend calls in because in India, it's, it's customary to play cards or gamble responsibly, of course. But more as a ritual, as a tongue-in-cheek ritual. So we're going to be playing cards probably at one of the friends' place. And rather than money, we play cards with health, wealth, and prosperity round. So whoever wins a round of health can foresee health year ahead. Whoever wins it, you know, wealth, then foresee a big wealth coming. So rather than money, we take a punt with the coming year, with health, with prosperity. And um, yeah, and, and then just get together and eat. The usual festive spirit. Nothing different from Christmas. Exciting. I love playing cards as well. Just sitting around in a circle and just having a laugh and play and culture connecting family is the most beautiful way to end the day. And on that note, we've got to wrap up as well. Anupam, it has been such a vibrant chat. I feel so energized and excited for you as your film hits the screens. Great timing and what a pataka of a film it is. Wishing you and your family a very happy Diwali. And thank you for being on My Diwali for SPS. Thank you so much, Raksha. It's always a delight to be at SPS because as many of your listeners know, it was 30 years ago and most of you were not even born that I started my media career with SPS in 92. So it is always such a delight, particularly now, to talk about Diwali, Dhamakas, with a place, with an outlet which I call home. And I have called home. So, you Diwali ki dhero That's very sweet. Thank you so much. You are listening to My Diwali. Find all five My Diwali episodes at www.sps.com.au slash mydiwali in the SPS Audio app or your preferred podcast app.